Is it possible for your antidepressant to stop working as effectively as it once was? It is. And in today's episode, we're talking about antidepressant tachyphylaxis, also known as antidepressant poop out. How do you know if you're experiencing it and what should you do? We're sharing common subtle signs as well as the ones we've experienced. Let's dive in. Carolyn, you and I have been talking about this topic for a while. Yeah. Like a long while. I don't know and why it took us so long. I know for me, I didn't really know where to start. And so you started the outline for this episode, and that really helped me kind of get over the hump. Um, I always, I think we both sometimes get nervous about talking about like medical things because we're not MDs, we're RDs. But my most favorite part about this outline when I opened it (laughs) was that this is what I saw. Today, we're talking about antidepressant poop out. Yes, and that is exactly what we're talking about today, and I'm so excited because I think I'm in the midst of an antidepressant poop out right now. I don't well, know. I'm not happy about that part, but you found some well, maybe awesome... maybe it's because you've left me for Hawaii for two weeks, but, that, but either antidepressant poop but, out or that. But you stayed at my house. It mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. I was everywhere around you the whole time. That was really brave, I realized. Like... You know everything about somebody when you stay at their house. I was like, the whole time I was thinking like, oh my gosh, if Riley ever came and stayed at my house, I would have to do so much cleaning. I mean, you can see all my dirty laundry and all my skeletons in the closet. I'm pretty sure I've shared them all to you over the course of this podcast. You have a newly constructed house. I have an old one. Like, I just, I don't know. Oh, I thought you were talking about like you were going to go through like my like prescriptions no, or something. No, and I something. didn't go through anything. No, I didn't even know. I should have. I didn't think about I that. Mean, I guess you should have gone through all the things. Yeah. I did use your peppermint, Dr. Bronner's, your peppermint soap. Yeah. And there are certain places you should not put that. True. Very true. My daughter tells me that all the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did learn that. That was the one thing I was going to share with you. That's the most personal I got. So antidepressant poop out. Has a technical term. Yes. I Riley, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you tell us the technical term since you usually do this to me? Well, then you have to say it too because I want to hear your southern spin on it. It's called antidepressant tachyphylaxis. I practiced that five times before we started she recording. Did. Yeah, so I was going to say antidepressant tachyphylaxis. I like it. Yours sounds better than mine. Yeah. So it's basically when you've been taking an antidepressant or medication for anxiety or depression and you know things are rocking along pretty good and then it kind of dawns on you like I'm not sure this is working like it used to yeah and they don't really totally know why it occurs but they identified like three main things that appear to trigger it right okay yeah one is like a new stress, like something on top of your plate, big, huge life event that you hadn't previously been dealing with. Just kind of rocks your boat. Yes. Second one is medications. And I'd never thought about this, but like you could yeah. start taking another medication. It could even be like an antibiotic or something or like a That's true. heartburn or something. Although I, I have to say I didn't look up what necessarily interacts, but I just... It dawned on me I'd never stopped to think, like, even when taking, like, a something for a cold or something, I never thought to think, could this affect my antidepressant? Right. Have you? 
Well, no, but now that you reminded me about the antibiotic thing, I think that is a legitimate thing. Because if you remember when we talked about it, – it was some episode in the winter. Um, oh, it was when we were talking about how after you're sick. Oh, yeah. You can sometimes have, like, a depressive episode. Um, and we kind of, like – you reminded me that for me, I've o- I, I have it after I've taken an antibiotic for you an ailment. You do get it. I, I have it. diagnosed you. Yes. yes. You have. Yeah. See, medical school for one year was great for you. I know. I know. Okay, the third reason This is Carolyn's favorite this reason. This is my favorite because I've had it happen to me. Well, and, and I don't think people realize it can happen. The amount of people that it affects is the part that it saddened and depressed me at the same or and impressed me at the same time. Well, it just shows you need to stay on you you just got to keep tabs on yourself. So, it is when your body develops a tolerance so what you've been taking, the amount you've been taking, the drug you've been taking, your body, your brain gets used to it. Yeah. And so it doesn't have the effects that it used to. We found a, a study that suggests about around one-third of people will build up a tolerance to antidepressant. So if you've been taking a particular, particular antidepressant medication for a longer period of time, it, you may start to experience symptoms of depression or anxiety again because either the medication stops working um, or maybe you have like your depression gets a little worse and that new episode of depression isn't responding to the medication right and we both actually before we started recording we both shared different instances where we have experienced this ourselves and we're gonna we found that one thing we both have in common is um one sign that we notice in ourselves is our anger and aggression. And we're going to share yeah. our personal story for how we can. <laughs> we are. We're going to share a very personal story about that. So, so stay tuned. Hang on. Keep listening. So, Briley, there are, there are some other things that can impact your antidepressant. Yeah, they're the ones that I, I just didn't really think about. They make total sense. Uh, there were two. So drug or alcohol use um, because those two things can – influence your mood like uh independently right of like depression or anxiety yeah. so they can also and i would say like impact you how your antidepressant works start drinking a lot more than you have been yes you know yes or like or i mean some of those illicit drugs have some serious effects on you really please share more no i have i'm not speaking from experience i'm just saying like yes you know, i know i know well um, i mean or taking prescription drugs right. illicitly exactly Is that a word? Yeah, I, don't know, I run think with so. it. it sounded good. It it makes sense. Okay, um, or pregnant. So the other one is pregnancy, and that's really because like your your body weight is typically increasing, your blood volume's increasing. Yeah. Doesn't your blood volume double? I, I think, think so. Does. Those are the things that I remembered, like when I was trying to get pregnant, when I was pregnant after I had the baby, and then it just all falls out of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's just really quick. There are. So there's, I would say, I don't feel like it's talked about quite as much, but I would say probably there are a lot more people taking medication than people realize. Or if you're not on a medication, there are a lot more people that on are medication. Yes. We are both on them and we have been, you know, talked about it before. But there are three main types of antidepressants. So there's three commonly prescribed types and so we're yes. gonna just 
list those and then give you some of the brand names so that you kind of know where you fit in. Yes. And they all essentially work the same, or not work the same, but they all antidepressants work by um, improving the balance of neurotransmitters in your brain. It's just the different classes or categories target different neurotransmitters. Right. Yeah. So the first one is, to me, the one that's that I'm most familiar with. And that's SSRIs, um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So examples, brand, we pull brand names. So examples are like Celexa, Lexapro, Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft. Yeah. They are said to be the most commonly prescribed antidepressants. And they're also um, fall in this class of being like the first line of defense against depression. So maybe yeah. those are the ones that your um, healthcare provider would try first and see if they work. And they do exactly exactly as their name implies. They increase your brain's level of serotonin. Well, and they do it, though, by making your brain hang on to it. Mm-hmm. They re-up, make your brain re-uptake it. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if that's the word, but I'm running with it. Anyway, yeah. but they re-uptake it um, so that your brain holds on to more. So it doesn't necessarily create more, but what you're already creating, it gets it circulating again. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. So, yeah. And that's your most common ones that you hear. So the next one is selective serotonin noradrenaline reuptake inhibitors. And those are SSNRIs. And an example of that is Cymbalta. Um, So like the SSRI, it affects your serotonin levels, but... The SSNRI, because there's that N, it also impacts the level of norepinephrine, which, again, it's another trans- neurotransmitter that can influence your mood. Yeah. So I would probably guess that maybe if your SSRI, your Prozac, your Lexapro, those Doloft isn't working, then they may try like Cymbalta and SSNRI, or if they have a reason to think an SSRI wouldn't work to begin with. Right. That'd be your next line. And then third is, I think I'm going to say, say this it? correctly. Yeah, you say it. Bupro- <laughs> I could <laughs> say it until you ask me. Bupropion. Right. And that's the brand name of that is Wellbutrin. Right. And it acts on two other neurotransmitters, dopamine and norepinephrine. Um, and it can work sometimes for certain anxiety and depressive symptoms that these others don't yes but it interestingly one of the things we read again not a doctor but it said that this one may be less helpful for depression with anxiety features interesting yeah so wellbutrin would not be a good choice for me personally um but also we learned that there it has a smoking cessation component to it yeah and um some element of bupropion has been repackaged to be a smoking cessation drug, too. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I can't remember that name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then there's two other classes. We don't want to leave them out, but these are the ones that you may not, most people wouldn't recognize the brand names for. Um, I think these are, or I know, one is TCAs, tricyclic antidepressants, and the other is. Um, MAOIs, which those are the ones you always hear about, like own 
any kind of prescription drug commercial where it's like, if you're taking MAOIs, then, like, there's right. lots of side effects. I think yes. they were one of the very first classes of antidepressants. Yes. And, and there's a lot of side effects. And both of these, tricyclic antidepressants and MAOIs, work on different neurotransmitters. But they're kind of like your next steps if you can't get these first three working. Or- right. Yeah. They have more side effects. They have more limitations. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's there's one more, though. There's a new, a new drug that has come out. It's a nasal spray. It's called esketamine. Um, and it, um, it's supposed to work like almost immediately in the sense that like within hours of receiving the treatment, it's supposed to help. It's designed predominantly for people with like severely untreatable depression like symptoms. Other stuff does not work. Yes. Yeah. And that's the one you pointed this out, Carolyn, that you, it right now has to be administered in a clinic and you have to sit there for two hours after your treatment because it can have some serious side effects like hallucinations. I'm kind of intrigued by this. Now you have to go look up that later. So now that we've talked about the different types of antidepressants and some examples, let's talk about how you know if they're working. Right. Well, and let's start with like, okay, you start taking one because I think it's. As you and I were both discussing, it's very subtle. And yes. I think this is important to discuss because when they start work, when they stop working, if you have that antidepressant poop out later, I feel like it's the exact same. It's very subtle. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, it's yeah. not like if you've skipped taking your medication for two or three days, and then I feel like you have a combination of physical and mental symptoms. Yeah. The, the poop out and the getting started on one is just a very slow yeah, um, feeling type response. Yeah. Yeah. Like I took, I was sharing with you, I took one for like my 20s consistently and it took someone else pointing out to me like, are you okay? Like, and I was like, oh. No, I don't feel great. It's just like you get in the habit of taking it, and it's not like overt. It's not like all of a sudden I was in the corner crying all the time or like depressed, you know, but it's like, yeah. So it's subtle. So let's talk about how to know if they're working, Um, like whether you're on one right now or maybe you start one. And again, like we said, it's kind of like, as we were both saying, it's kind of like, and they say give it at least two to four weeks because they've got to get in your system. You're not, you shouldn't see an immediate, like, change within 24 hours right it needs to be in your system and it shouldn't be like all of a sudden one morning you wake up and you're like i love life yeah swinging from the rafters you know happy as a clam no it should be more like two or three weeks and like you realize huh like i'm i'm pretty good i can handle this and leading up to that feeling of like oh i'm I'm doing better is you might start sleeping better. Mm-hmm. You might start being able to do like everyday tasks like more like smoothly. Um, or what was the other one was, um, oh, your appetite. Mm, your yeah. um, appetite will hopefully like balance out or, you know, in in that one particular part that we were looking at, it said it might increase because some people when they're depressed, their appetite dips i always wanted to be one who's decreased nope nope (laughs) 
Okay, so anyway, so all that to say, we just wanted to kind of make the point that it shouldn't be like an immediate change. It's it's more subtle, and that's natural, and that shows that you are on an appropriate dose, too, don't you think? Yes, totally. For the most part. Totally. Now, I will say... Maybe not enough sometimes, but... Right. I will say, I do have a friend who is... She's a nurse, and she's very... She's she's very in tune. Like, she has a high emotional IQ. She's... um, And she's been on antidepressants before. And she recently went back on one, and they started her at a lower dose than what she had been taking a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, she said, I definitely feel like some of the edge has been taken off, but I know that I need more of the edge to be taken off. And so they they did. They upped her dose a little bit. Yeah. Um, And that's normal to have to tweak stuff. Yeah. um, So, yeah. So we kind of just wanted to establish what it should feel like. You're just more capable of handling things and – Exactly. And then we're talking more, um, you know, mild to moderate depression right. um, here. Yeah. We're not talking, you know, suicidal thoughts necessarily, that kind of thing. Right. So um, we're talking more kind of um, run-of-the-mill, the type that I think most people walking around probably suffer from at some point in their lives. Yes, and and that have the potential to respond well to an antidepressant, yes. right? Like we're not talking about the the – type of you know mental health conditions that not the type but we're not talking about the people who have mental health conditions that are like persistently struggling to get them uh to to find a successful form of treatment right right the other thing to point out is like you know ssris your prozac your lexapro your i can't even but they're all this mainly those common ones you hear like advertised they are all very different in themselves yes so just because you try one and maybe like you have negative side effects or it doesn't work doesn't mean that another in that ssri that Family. First category isn't going to work for you. So okay. how about we now dive into some signs that your antidepressant isn't working like it should? Yeah. Since so, that was, you know, our main that goal was kind of, of our, yeah. the podcast. So we're taking this from the perspective of you've been taking one that has been working. Right. You are you you might be in that poop out. Yeah. And Maybe how do you know like, when you How do you know if you're you, in a poop out? How do you know you're in a poop out? Okay, and it doesn't mean you have to have all of these. And again, it's going to be very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying this speaking from experience as well. So, so number one, sleep issues. But that doesn't necessarily mean not sleeping. It also can mean sleeping more than usual. Yes, and not necessarily being tired, but just being able to sleep longer, lay around in bed, yeah. that kind of like not necessarily needing. That sleep for restorative purposes, right. but just you're sleeping longer. Yeah. But it can also mean, you know, you can't stay up asleep or you can't go to sleep or, you know. Right. And again, we, we need probably need to preface like lots of things that can cause sleep issues. But these are just subtle things that can tip you off just to kind of watch for. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. Poop out. Poop out. Maybe a poop <laughs> out. Um, changes in appetite. So... Increase in what you're eating, decrease in what you're eating, just depending on how you – I would say – I would assume that it would be a response – it would it would be seeing a, a, respo- a change in your appetite similar to before 
you went on a medication. Yeah. Or or just something that's not your norm. Yeah. Okay, decreased energy. Which, again, doesn't necessarily mean that you're sleepy. It can also show up as, like, just being unmotivated, which I guess actually jumps to number jumps, four. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, like, this is kind of usually where, more where I see it, the poop out, is, like, just loss of motivation. You know, it's normal to, like, not feel motivated at times, um, particularly, like, when you're stressed or something. But when it lingers and you can't really find a stressor or a reason for it, just kind of, you know, not being able to get going on things. Yeah. Um, you know, and we were saying uh, the, the another one, number five, is inability to concentrate. And if you look at it like loss, like lack of motivation, inability to concentrate, it sounds a lot like ADHD, you know? Right. So it's hard to differentiate to really figure out what it is. But, again, I think it goes back to changes in your norm. Yeah. You know? And, like, and how long do they persist? And if you try, like, so, for example, with me, when I've gone through periods of either – Maybe it's a more stressful time period or I've um, maybe hit like a bump in the road in terms of like a more depressive episode. I'm not the first person to say like, okay, let's go up in my medication. I'll usually want to try like other tools in my toolbox that I know have been helpful for me, for my mental health. And I think that when when you have kind of tried out a couple different tools and you're starting to feel like you're struggling to find something that works, like that is a really good sign of like, maybe I should go yeah. talk to my doctor about this. Yeah. So. Exactly. And especially even like with the inability to concentrate. Yeah. All exactly. right, the last one. Mm, I'm guilty of this too. Canceling social engagements. Yeah. See, but I can be guilty of it too, but I will also um, go through – uh, very short periods, like a week or like two weekends or whatever in a row, where I just feel like a little burnt out. Yeah. And all I want to do is just like, please don't commit me to anything. I don't want to uh, have guests over. I don't want to go anywhere. I just need to kind of recharge my batteries. No, mine is more like I'm more introverted than normal. Yeah. And I know it's not healthy. Yeah. Okay. But so again, Six these are helpful subtle. Signs. If you had more severe ones. Don't sit around and not do anything. Like, definitely contact a doctor if you have suicidal thoughts or any, you know, any major changes or more serious ones. But we really wanted to highlight these more subtle ones because they're ones we both experienced. And you don't realize it's happening until it's already happened. And then you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not doing so great. Right. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Or sometimes I also have where I, act, I like – Actively recognize that I'm experiencing something like this, like a loss of motivation or an inability to concentrate. And I have this like flash of, oh no, it's getting worse again. Oh no, this is the beginning of the Uh, end of it being really bad. And I have to remind myself, I'm like, nope, this just give it a couple days. It might just be a little blip on the radar screen and we're going to go right back to being motivated and productive. Okay. I have something a little different. I don't go there. I think, oh, no, I don't want to go through changing medications. Oh. I don't want to go through the weaning off stage and then the trying a new, like, I don't have time for that. 
Like, yeah. I'm kind of okay. Status quo kind of sounds a lot better than, than, than going through the weaning and the. Yes. Yeah. No, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. That's the first place my mind goes. So, that's a really good point. So, what do you do? Yeah. So, you first thing is talk to your doctor. Yeah. See your right. healthcare provider. Yeah. yeah. Because you might need a higher dose. Mm-hmm. That might be all you need. You You might be taking another medication that's interacting. And so. Your doctor can hopefully help there. I also find sometimes my pharmacist is Mm -hmm. particularly helpful there or at least can say to me, hey, this is a potential – because I've had this before. Like, this could be a potential interaction. Like, you might want to just call your doctor and talk to them about it. Yeah. Um, And so that's – you know, that could be one. You may need a different type of antidepressant. Right, which is the part you were saying you you don't love having to go through that process. Right, right. Or you may need something in addition to your antidepressant. So you may need something in addition, or you may have another underlying condition. So let's separate those. You may need something in addition to your antidepressant. This may be something like you have a vitamin deficiency or, you know, you have um, a thyroid issue. Yes. Sometimes I know they will partner Wellbutrin with like an SSRI because that can sometimes amplify the SSRI effects but then the other part to that you may have an underlying condition so you may have a thyroid issue Mm -hmm. and that could be impacting it you may have anemia you know it it could be other stuff going on that could be impacting your antidepressants effectiveness or how well it it used to work yeah yes and I would say I can check a lot of those boxes like went through that experienced it so I guess the bottom line is Watch out for the little signs and go see your doctor. I always put it off because I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Because it's subtle. Because it's subtle and you don't know and and you're not sure. And there's the, you have the fear of having to change medications. I have the fear of this is the beginning of the end. It's going to be like (laughs) this forever. You know, I think it just depends on on the way that your brain is wired and what your fear is. But we did tell readers that we would tell them... Listeners. Forgive me. Okay, back up, Les, there. Oh, it's okay. We did tell listeners that we would share uh, some personal stories of when we have had some challenges with our medications. So, well, we realized in talking that – how did you you phrase yours? I don't want to – but you said you had trouble with your emotional regulation. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I can't control my emotions yes. as well. And that's how I know that I needed you might to make a poop change. Out or yes. Yeah. Okay. So I said, well, along the same lines, I have realized like just kind of a checkpoint for myself is like when I start like getting mad at people, not to their face or anything like in my head, like, why can't, you know, everyone's doing everything wrong. Like, yeah. Except me. Yes. I've learned that is my internal cue to be like, hey there, Carolyn. Yeah. <laughs> it's likely you. <laughs> and it could be my medication. It could be other things. But I have learned just kind of a checkpoint when I start blaming everybody. Um, or I, you know, feel like it's everybody else's problem or, or they're causing the problem and not me. Then that's kind of an internal checkpoint yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, I would say that's probably lack of emotional regulation. Oh, well, and I've had in that my too, head. for sure, where <laughs> nobody can do anything right. It, I have to do it so that it's just right. And then I'm like, 
okay, we're not in a great spot right now. Yeah. Um, when it's a free, when it becomes a recurring thing, because we we in we have that every day as parents. Oh but yeah. When it becomes a recurring thing in all aspects of your life, right? That's that's the flag where you're like, uh oh, hold on, this is a me problem, not a them problem. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And it could be due to medication poop out. It could be. And yeah. gosh. I have so enjoyed doing this episode purely because we get to say medication poop out. Yeah, that's a real thing. I love it. Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully this may help some other people. Exactly. And when in doubt, go talk to an expert. Yeah, don't wait. Don't wait. Like I do. There's no point. Just go. Yeah. yeah, or schedule another therapy session. Yeah. So. Okay. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.